here's what I've learned in over 40 years of studying the Scriptures deeply. There are no contradictions in the Word of God. And the church said, they actually complement one another as you dig into it, as we try to do that today. But uh, it gets debated. They always go, man, James and Paul, man, they would not have been good friends. They would have, been in, they would have opposed each other. They'd been in a great conflict. But they're kind of like they're back-to-back fighting different enemies. And James opposes easy believism, not that I'm saying Paul did, but it would seem like, and it is all the faith and the righteousness of Christ. But then James says, but it would be evidence in the, in the way you live your life. And so it's kind of interesting, but there's not a contradiction. So here's a thought that we'll even look at body life today, but I ask you now, would there be, I, I remember this, there was this uh, movie out back when I was a youth pastor and we talked about it a lot. Would there be enough evidence to convict you for being a Christian? And I would even add in here, would there be enough evidence to convict you for being a dynamic follower of Jesus Christ? Now, don't answer that. Answer it in your heart, but you don't have to speak it out loud. And as we go through this, that's what I think James is trying to get at the heart. He, he wants us to be bold and audacious in our faith. He wants us to be uh, totally connected with Christ, in union with Christ as we go forward. So here it is. I, I, it's just this essential expression of faith is what James talks to us. All through this book, he's talking about spiritual maturity, and he's talking about spiritual workouts. I mean, in, in, in the physical, a lot of us like to get a workout. We know that it's good for the temple. We know it's good for the body, and endorphins get released, and all these great byproducts happen. Well, in the spiritual life, it is so vital that you and I have a spiritual workout. Yesterday was the most unique day in all my ministry of the last 37 years. I didn't do any of them, but I attended three funerals yesterday. Eleven, one, two. I mean, it was just all day. And, and they laid Steve's brother to rest yesterday. It was a wonderful celebration of his life. And then, But one of the ones I went to yesterday, this woman had this incredible ability. She had, had the largest class at our old church, and she was a profound, bold, articulate speaker, teacher of God's Word. And in the last many years of her life, Alzheimer's had set in, and that great mind for Christ. And, and I still bet that that Word of God was still tucked deeply in her heart and in her mind. But she'd always been this woman that she had a great workout. And then we went to another one, and this man was a tremendous servant of Jesus Christ and how he was always working out his faith. And I'm just reminded this weekend of saying, if it was your time this next week and you lost your life, where they go? That woman, that man, their spiritual workout was intense. They pursued the Savior weekly, and the church said, no, I shouldn't say weekly. They pursued the Savior daily. They went after Jesus. So look, at, look here at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? That sounds like kind of a serpy kind of sentence, doesn't it? No, it does. I mean, he just, man, he jumps in there. He goes, man, what kind of faith is this? And there's like 11 different times in this section, he keeps using this word faith. And he keeps pushing us to our faith point. Where are we? Not this serpy surfacy, superficial, cheap, imitation kind of faith, but genuine, authentic faith. He goes, if you've got faith, if you've really got faith in the master, then it's going to show itself in the way that you live. And we're going to see it here in the text today, that 
creeds are good and some churches are a lot more liturgical than us and it wouldn't be hard to be more liturgical than us and they have the the creeds of faith the apostles creed and on and and those are really wonderful works that are built upon the scripture and you could have all the right creeds and i would even say you could come in here and have the scripture memorized and know so much of the word of god and yet be devoid of righteousness and living and trusting christ you would just be a religious zealot maybe a religious fanatic but maybe he didn't have christ but here he talks about in a very simple way that keith can understand but maybe you too here's some ways that we can have evidences of our faith that your faith somehow gets shared but it gets lived out that's that's what i love when 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 i see people and some so many of you model this so well you you model a genuine compassion and commitment to christ to the body of Christ, to those far from Christ. The video we opened in the service this morning from the Pike Road, we didn't know. We just went to serve our community, our, our first responders. We got there, and they were so joyed to have us. We were so joyed to feed them. It was a marvelous time. Fourteen adults showed up, and like three, three of our children showed up, and they served, and we just had a great time. And the next thing I knew, this guy's walking around with a camera. He wanted to capture it. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. But man, they were grateful. And we were like, God, this is just a a simple expression. So here's what I've been trying to challenge you for months. And I want you to pray today. God, give me a simple vision, a simple way to share my faith with some others. Lord, show me a simple way that me and some other believers, maybe in this fellowship, maybe in my small group, we could get together and share our faith in a tangible way that Christ would be known. And we'll see that in practical ways today. So here it is. But look, look what he says. Look down there, verse 14, then verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. Fill in the first blank. You can imagine what it is. Dead faith. Dormant faith dying if it even ever had life faith you don't want to have dead faith you want to be known as the dead church or or a christian that like man i don't even know if their faith was even on the scale it was just pitiful and 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 there was no works because what, what i've learned over walking with christ talk is cheap talk is easy but then when you got to put some skin in the game, then it costs your, you got to put some dollars in the plate, or you gotta, you got to sweat some, or you gotta, you got to sacrifice your time. Then you begin to start owning your faith. Not that we earn our faith. It's by grace. It's by faith that we are saved. We don't earn our salvation. Let me tell you, you cannot do enough good works. And how many are grateful for that today? Because how many good works would be enough? But, however, if you are truly saved, if you are truly born again, works will just be a supernatural expression of your life it just comes out and so it's easy just to have lip service rhetoric and no action so james is just so practical and he goes what kind of religion is that that's useless i I don't have anything to do that 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 kind of faith can't save a person i just wrote this thought down here can just a mere profession of faith save somebody I don't think it does. I think it is the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Christ alone that saves us. However, I do believe that when we really have genuine, born-again, blood-bought faith in Christ, it shows up in our life through fruit. And the church said, see, there's a lot of easy believism running around today. 
Oh, pastor, just say a prayer. Prayer, pastor, we just believe. I hear that all the time. Oh, he believed. He believed. Oh, we're going to see in a minute who else believes. And they're pretty orthodox in their belief. And they're definitely not saved. But we'll keep going. So here it is. Let me give you a verse. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 27. I've always loved this little passage in Ezekiel. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you because you walk in my statutes. And if you will be careful to observe my ordinances. God wants to give us a heart of flesh. He wants to give us a living, dynamic heart that's alive in him. Here, here's what I want you to hear. Coming to Christ, being in Christ, abiding in Jesus ought to result in change. It has to. I think it's one of the greatest evidences that we know we're born again because Christ changes us. I don't share my testimony here a lot because I'm the pastor and I'm always teaching and I've shared it so many times over the existence of our church. But simply to tell you, when I met Christ at 19 at my college campus, my life was radically altered changed transformed by the grace and the power of mighty god amen and i knew it and other people knew it they went oh man there is a change they wouldn't like well i think you're getting better i think well it ain't about getting better or getting good or, or gooder gooder is that a word no it's about becoming righteous in Christ. Christ was doing a new work in me. There was an internal work. There was the work of the Holy Spirit filling my life, leading me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So here it is. When there's an inside change, here's what believers do. They don't get drunk on the weekends. They don't sleep around. They don't watch porn. They get serious about the Bible. They sign up for mission trips. They become generous givers. They get rid of their potty mouth. They, they hang around fired up believers. They share with the lost people. They go to church on the weekends. They love small group. They make spiritual growth a priority. And some of you are like, man, that, that's me. Amen. And some of you are like, well, I don't know. I was talking to a guy the other day. He goes, oh, man, let me tell you, preacher. He says, I got a potty mouth. He said, you ought to hear. I said, no, I, I don't need to hear any words. I, I, I've heard them. He says, but I, but, uh, but, uh, but I was in this atmosphere, and I used to express more words than I should have, and they were not very edifying. He said, but let me tell you where I'm at today. I just talked to him the other day. He says, but Christ is doing a greater work in me now, and he's beginning to transform my speech and my tongue to give glory to Christ. He said, I'm not yet, there yet, but he said, I'm so different than I was two or three years ago. I went, that's called progress. Come back next weekend. We'll talk James 3. We'll talk about the tongue. Let's keep going. So here it is. As a believer, there's a change. There's, you you, you want to move from the dead faith, uh, and you just say, God, I want to follow after you. I want to respond. I, and here, look at what we just read. He says, so I wish you well, keep warm, be well fed. It's easy just to give words. They're cheap. It's easy to give lip service. It's easy to always make an excuse for why I can't go, get involved. I hear that all the time. Oh, pastor, I want to be involved. And they are. And others, oh, you know, I, I got too much going on. I got this, I got that. Well, man, guess what? Everybody else had something else too. But they chose to make this a priority. And that's where we encourage and we push one another. And then people say, oh, I'm tired. I'm behind schedule. Oh, people are tired all the time. People get behind schedule all the time. We just, it's just life. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about recent days. I cannot imagine what's happening in Dayton right now. What happened in El Paso yesterday. They're going to Walmart 
and then having your life forever changed. The community just became obliterated. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. It's terrible. But here's what I do know, is that we can lean in on Jesus, and Jesus can carry us through that, that he might lead us to the, what did that song say? To a mountain of what? Ascent. That we can go to the high ground with our blessed Savior. God, help us to follow you. But see, some translations, I wanted to look at translations on this verse. Here's what one says, the CEV. Go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal. Oh boy, that's helpful. Here's another one. God be with you, stay warm, make sure you eat enough. But they're not going to do anything about it. Here's the Phillips. Good luck to you. I hope you'll keep warm and find enough to eat. Oh, I'm sure they're grateful for that. And my personal favorite from the Living Bible is, well, goodbye and God bless you. Stay warm and eat heartily. See, when there's a need, that's when true believers go, I can do something about it. I can't do anything about the whole world. But I can touch this one given situation. Because I can go in the power and the spirit of the strength of Christ, and I can give my life away as Christ has given this life to me. I've shared this with you, but I just always think about it. People ask me sometimes, well, why do you do that? Why do you? Uh, I said, you know what? Because I'm not my own. The scripture says we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. And when we belong to Jesus, we don't belong to ourselves anymore. He's now the ruler. He's the CEO. He's He's the Lord. He's the master. He's the curios. He, he rules. He reigns. And we have to we purpose to follow him, not to give some pious platitude. Oh, man, I can do the platitudes with the best of them. Man, I'm verbose already. I don't have a problem. Don't say amen. And I understand and write and read and speak and love that. But it, it's easy. It's easy, easy to give somebody a platitude. Oh, man, and just kind of humor you or whatever. But when you show up and you do something like that, night when we showed up at Pike Road, we were just there just to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's all it was. Little did I know how it would touch and impact their lives and encourage them. Now, I will tell you, that, that's our whole motive. But I have wondered if our church caught on fire, they might get here a little bit quicker than they did other places. But that was not our motive, just for them to see if they could get quick response out here or just go, let it burn, let it burn. No, I, think, I, I think, I mean, they, they're going to respond to anybody rather quickly. You know, the majority, about 97%, 98% of the Pike Road Fire Department, did you know they're volunteer? Yeah. They, these men and women sacrifice unbelievable. And here's what I just learned the other day. Did you know our church is in Pike Road? Did you know the number one fastest growing city community in the state of Alabama is Pike Road? Volunteer Fire Department? Some of you are saying, how can I join? I tell you what, we can get you over with Chief Blake. He'd probably love to have you. It was, it was interesting. I sat next the other day to a preacher that lived out there in Pike Road, and he says, man, this is what I do. And he was telling me all about what he gets to do and how much he loved it. And it was, but he also shared with Several times he's had to be the first responder on scene when there's a suicide in Pike Road or there's been a, a killing, this car accident the other day. So pray for our first responders, and the church said. But you know, in here, look, look what it says. It says here, you, uh, accompanied by action, there's dead. But someone will say, you will have faith, I will have deeds. It's easy just to throw out some words to them. But sometimes, you know, instead of just saying stuff, we need to just need to kind of keep our mouth shut. You know, you know, you read about the Good Samaritan, they crossed on the other side of the road, and they just kept ignoring the religious people, and finally somebody did something about it. 
And then, but in this story, as you read through James, you see that they, they have something to say. Well, sometimes we don't need to say anything, but we always need to do something. We don't just need to talk about mercy, but we need to show mercy. We need to demonstrate mercy. Last weekend, the very last verse I shared, mercy triumphs over judgment. God, make us a merciful congregation, a merciful people, Lord, that if somebody's hungry, we don't go, hey, hope you're well fed. We go, you know what? I'll get you something. I'm freezing. Now, you don't usually freeze too much in Montgomery, Alabama, but it, it does get a little cold. You could say, hey, I'm hot. Well, you know what? Maybe offer them a cool cup or glass or bottle of water in Jesus' name. I don't know. God, show us what we can do. Uh, I read this illustration because he, he talks about you got this dead faith, but you need to have a live faith. So listen to this. I thought this was interesting. In the ancient world, someone came up to a person who appeared to be dead, and they would hold a mirror up under the people's nose. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And if marks appeared on the mirror, it meant the person was alive. But if no marks appeared, if there was no breathing, then the person was dead. In the same way, when we have our nose uh, the word of God under us and the word of God we read it but it reads us there should be life not deadness you know Isaiah says my word will not come back void you have to make a decision so God help us to be faithful to trust you to look to you to not be a corpse Lord, but to be alive. We don't want this dead faith. But as I said earlier, you got this whole contradiction, and then you had the great reformer Martin Luther, and he called, I never liked, I remember the first time I read this, I got mad at him. He said, the book of James is the, is the straw gospel. It shouldn't even been canonized. It shouldn't even been in there. Well, you, you can talk to people that are su su supreme reform theology or whoever they are on the page, and they'll go, well, I, I think that's very misfortunate. I don't think you should have said that. I know that this is God's word for today, for the people of God, and we need the book of James just like we need the book of Romans. And the church said, they unite, they marry, they help us. I encourage new believers and old believers all the time to read the book of James. Why? Because it's easy, because it's practical, because it will help you mature. I've, been, I've, I've read the book of James. I can't tell you how many times I've read the book of James. I mean, I've read it countless times. And every time I read it, every time I study it, it reads me. I see how short I fall. I see what God has for me and you as believers in Christ. I hope in these weeks that we're having this series that you're reading the book of James. I hope you get so excited you'll read ahead and you'll come back and you'll start again. And you read. I hope you'll read James over and over and over till we complete this study. And it just becomes a part of your daily fabric as we follow Christ. Lord, we want you. Because see, religion is about self but the gospel is about god god has come near in the person of jesus and christ dwells in us through the person of the holy spirit by faith all that will receive christ he marks us he seals us says the book of ephesians and he adopts us he grafts us into the family of god is that good news church to be a child of God, to be grafted in, to be his, to be marked by him forever. Ravi Zacharias says, work people that are work-oriented, they tend to be their own saviors. But here's what I've learned. Works never save anybody. 
It's the blood and the righteousness of Christ. Christ, we want to trust in you. I, I flip over to Paul now. I've been sitting here about James, and we'll go to Paul, and then we'll come back to James. If you just want to turn your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 8 and 9, listen to the Word of God. It makes it clear that we're not saved by works. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. And then I love when he goes into verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for, say it out loud, for. Oh, no, 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 no. Everybody besides Doug. Everybody. We were created for. Come on. Come on. Wait, this side, be quiet. We were created for. A little bit better. All right, let's do it all together. We were created for. Now, why did I have to do all that? Get it right the first time. Come on, church. Trying to make sure you're awake. I've started preaching shorter in this series that we might do body life, and the church says we miss it. Now, y'all would have said amen. I know. But come on, hang with me. Okay, so, Lord, we run after you. We pursue you. False faith is empty profession, dead faith. But look at verse 18 and 19. Let's move because we've got to move through this text. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith about what I do. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder all the time. Oh, oh, I believe. Oh, they believe, preacher. They believe. What do they believe? That's the number one thing I want to believe. I want to understand. But the Bible says the, the demons believe. They, they have an orthodox orthodoxy doctrine. They, they believe in Jesus. <laughs> they know Jesus, Jesus. No, Jesus. They knew Jesus had all the power. They knew Jesus was God. And yet they did not repent. Yet they did not <laughs> worship the one of God. They were not the one that Christ died for. But our faith is just dead. And here, it could just be demonic faith. We don't, want, we don't want dead faith. We certainly don't want demonic faith. We want faith as living, breathing, moving forward, activated by the power of God in our life. I, I like what the Scripture says. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch walked. By faith, Noah built the ark by faith abraham left by faith isaac offered up by faith moses refused by faith the people marched and by faith rahab hid oh i said rahab in church i sure did we're going to talk about her as we get down to this if i get there so they were all approved by god here's what i want you to write in your notes active faith dynamic faith alive faith activates the power of God. How many want the power of God activated in your life? Hopefully every one of you. And God, we don't want some dead faith. We certainly don't want a demonic faith that they believe but they didn't really believe. We want to have active faith, God, that we pursue you with all our beings, Lord, that we're complimentary, that we honor you. Because, Lord, the demons believe in the Trinity. And, Lord, it's not enough to believe. But it's enough to trust, to rest, to abide, to unite, to be in union with Jesus and to make him your life and your Lord. Lord, I turn to you. I, I want to run after you. It, it says there, the demons even shudder. You know, a lot of people that profess to be Christians, they don't shudder about anything. They're not humbled by anything. So I'm, I'm asking this, God, don't let us just have good theology and good doctrine. Let us have that. That's important. 
But God, let us have a faith that is vibrant, that's alive, that's consistent, that it's about Christ, that we know you, that we run after you. So dead faith, demonic faith. Look at verses 20 through 26. I've got to move through this rather quickly. Then he goes into what I'm praying that we'll have, that we will not have dead faith, we will not have demonic faith, that we will have dynamic faith. Dynamic, dynamite, explosive liberating power on the inside that results in that changed life that I talked about earlier. God, I don't want to be useless. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be idle. I want to be a champion for Christ. That's what I pray that we are. That Listen, this is, this is kingdom. Your and my works define our faith. Our works do not save us. It is the grace of Jesus Christ in him alone. But our works define if we are in faith. And the church said, I believe it. They do. Lord, Abraham, look at this. He was saved by faith. He proved his faith by offering up his one and only son, Isaac. And God provided. But he had to prove his faith to the Lord. He looked to God. He was completed by that. God counted him is righteous. God counts us as righteous when we are in Christ. So I love that. Abraham. But look at the next one quickly. Rahab. What was she doing? Rahab was saved by faith, but she proved her faith by protecting the spies that had come into her home. She was an innkeeper. Rahab was a harlot. Yes, I will say this. Rahab was a prostitute. She was not the person you think, this is the person I want to model my faith after up to this point. But then she has nothing to do with religious deeds or that she'd memorize a Torah or knew how to pray a certain prayer. She had come to faith in God and practiced her faith and hid them out. It's an amazing story there in the book of Joshua. You need to study it on your own for a second time, but here's what I want to say. Messy faith is better than no faith at all. And Rahab definitely had a checkered, messy past. And in this room, many of you have had a pretty checkered past. I have. I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus, are you? He covers my sin. And you're saying, well, mine wasn't so messy like yours and Doug's or yours and, yours and Dave's or yours and whoever. Okay, well, well, good. Praise God. But if you've sinned once, you were guilty, and hey, you need a Savior. So God, thank you that faith, you know what I've learned about faith? Faith can be found in the most unlikely places and people. When I came to Christ, for the first, people had to see it was real, and then they went, wow. But so many people could not believe I was changed. I guess I was that bad, you know? And so it was just such a radically change from who I was before I met him. I love to hear testimonies of people that have been transformed by Christ. So Christ, do that in us. She was an unlikely candidate for salvation. She was a pagan woman. She uh, was a part of the world's oldest profession. I mean, that's what she did. And yet, in all her checkered past, in all her messiness, God so fit to redeem her, to use her. And matter of fact, it's so interesting when you read about her story because she gets listed in the great lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, my name is not in the Scripture there, 
I'm in the Lamb's book. You're in the Lamb's book if you're in Christ. But in here, God made sure that her story, that her name got recorded because she was precious. She was valuable to God. He had showed himself to her, and she responded, and she made a proclamation. She had a great profession of her faith of God and how real he was and what he was doing in her and the miracles. And, and then she asked, she goes, I ask one thing. When you come in to destroy the land, would you spare my family? And they did. Because of the faith of Rahab. Oh, Lord, she wasn't a religious woman. She became a spiritual woman. She became a Jesus follower. She was a woman that took her stand. She was a woman that protected her people. She was a woman that made provision for her family. She was a woman that pursued the heart of God. I could have just preached on Rahab this morning because I, I love the book of James, but I just like that God right here in this little book and also in other places in the Scripture, we'll see Rahab, will, she'll appear, she'll, she'll pop up because she's important to God. And God blessed Rahab. He justified her. He added her to the nation. He included her in the line of Christ. Write it down. Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. And we, we find her there listed in that great lineage of faith. And she's just this wonderful woman that God uses. And eventually she marries a godly man. And they have a son. And that son was named Boaz. And she's also, she is a former prostitute. But she becomes the great, great grandmother of King David. I don't know about you, but our God is great. Our God can do all things. Our, with our God, nothing is impossible. How many believe that this morning? If he can redeem a woman like this. No, no. See, that even sounds arrogant and pious. It sounds like I'm violating last weekend playing favorites. No. If God can save a, a crazy, self-obsessed, focused, arrogant person like Keith Waldrop, he can save anybody. Do you feel that way about your Jesus? Oh, no, well, I'm not a Rahab. You know, we walk out of church. and Man, we talked about a prostitute at church today. I ain't one of her. You know, I, I'm not a drunk. I'm not this. I'm, I don't have that addiction. Well, praise God. Man, just say, you know, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I've trusted a Savior. He is great. He is mighty. I look to Him. So living by faith, here's what I'll say. I'm going to try to land this quickly. Living by faith is always risky. Rahab risked her life by doing that which God had led her to do, but she risked. And it might be this morning that God's calling us to take risks as we think about faith always takes action. Here, look at verse 26. As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. God is calling you and me to take next steps because unworthy people go to heaven that have been bought by the blood of Christ. And Lord, that's where we stand this morning. Lord, we are messed up people without you, but with you, we are new. We are sons and daughters of the kingdom. And we're grateful. And Lord, we run to that. So fill in the last one here. The measure of our faith is not our talk, but it is our walk. I pray by faith that you and I could walk a stronger walk of faith this week than we did last week. Because we run after the heart of God. Let's pray together. Bow your heads with me. Lord God, we are grateful for this example. 
of Abraham and Rahab. We're thankful for the word of God in James that he talks to us about our faith and it's useless just to make profession and have no works that back it up. Lord, we want to pursue the works of God. We're not saved by our works, but saved people do the works of Christ. Help us to do that, oh God. Help us to follow you with all our heart today. Help us to abandon ourselves and look at the mercy seat of Christ and run to Jesus. Jesus, we need you. Touch our hearts today, God. Convict us where we've gone off the rail and put us on the path of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.